wanted to get quick information about the weekly Sabbath school lesson? Well, you're nearly there. Just press the button and you will get important key informations about the weekly theme. Easy to understand. Short inversion, 5 minutes each day, 30 minutes each week. You will be well prepared for Sabbath in church. Your friends will be astonished about your knowledge. Grace be with you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to study the theme, the promise, God's everlasting covenant. Lesson two, covenant primer. The following memory text for this week now therefore, it is the text from Exodus 19, verse 5. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Covenant Basics When God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 17:2, he said, And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. At this time, Abraham was 99 years old, and Sarah, his wife, 89. And God said, I will multiply you. And they didn't have a child, not a single one, up to this point in time, at the age of 99. And God says, I will multiply you. I will bless you. I will make my covenant. I am your guarantee. And it needs a lot of trust, of faith, when you hear something like this, when you are 99, aren't you? So, this uh, Hebrew word, which is used in this text here, 
can be translated as well as testament or last will. And it binds, it binds two parties together. And this is very important. There are two parties. And the one who is the one who initiates everything is the Almighty God. So he is, wow, the king of the universe. And he starts talking to Abraham. I will make, I will make my covenant between me and you. It is, it is an honor if the Almighty comes close to you and says, I will make my covenant with you. That's, that's unbelievable, isn't it? Now, when you think of a marriage covenant, you always need two for a covenant, isn't it? And it, it defines a relationship, it defines an arrangement, and the biblical covenant has these aspects. Then God affirmed the covenant promises with an oath. And the covenant obligation was obedience to God's will. So God is the one who guarantees and the human being should obey if the blessings should come on him. But in the end, Christ is the optimum of fulfillment because in him we will get all these blessings which are mentioned here. Covenant with Noah. We read in Genesis 6 verse 18, But with you will I establish my covenant, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife, and your son's wife with you. Wow. With you I will establish my covenant. All humans are going to be killed in a flood. But there's someone who gets this, this chance that God says, with you will I establish my covenant. So there's, there's something God could see in Noah. He is a person. It's worthwhile to start a covenant with him. And here in this verse, we have it for the first time, this term covenant in the Bible, for the very first time. And although destruction will come because of the worldwide flood, 
God is not forsaking the world he created. He continues to offer a covenant relationship. And that's really great. Because it's the divine I who offers <laughs> this covenant. He is the one. And God tells Noah what will come in future. So far beforehand, he gets the time for preparation. In the end, 120 years. This huge ship, this ark, was built in the United States. You, you can go there. You can go into it and walk around. I, I think you need a month to come around. Such a big building, this ark. I saw a film about it. It's amazing. You walk and walk and walk around. It, it's, it's simply great. What an idea to rebuild this ark of Noah as far as we know the details. And when you're in there, you can imagine why he had to build for 120 years. It's so great, so big. Oh, it's enormous, enormous size, a giant size. So, what is the deal God is going to make with Noah? If you obey, if you do what I tell you, I will save you. And this is in all the covenants God is going to, to handle with people. Because he is full of love. And when he sees someone, oh, a person who trusts in me, who is faithful, loyal to God, oh, well, and then, there, there is, God sees something in these persons that he wants to be connected to them, in a close connection, in a covenant. And God is the one who guarantees, and the human being is the one who gets the blessing when the one is willing to obey. And this you can only do when you have faith, when you trust the initiator of the covenant. Otherwise you step backwards. But with God the Almighty, as the one who guarantees for this bond. Wow, that's great, isn't it? Here you have something which honors you very, very much. The Almighty wants you to be in a union with Him. That is great. The Abraham Covenant. Now in Genesis chapter 12 we read, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house 
unto a land that I will show you. Now, this is something we have to think about. Um, when you, in those days, wanted to experience safety, surety, you needed a lot of people around you. The more people, the safer you are. Because then you have a lot of people to protect you. If you're only a small amount of human beings, so maybe another group of people, which is bigger than yours, will come and take your belongings. So people wanted to have offspring, 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 offspring. Uh, many, 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 many children, many, many, many grandchildren, that there's a big, big family, and then you're safe when you are many. And now it's just the opposite. Get out of your country. You're a foreigner in a foreign land in those days, 4,000 years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the opposite of surety. Just the opposite. Get out from your kindred. They are your safety. So you experience uncertainty, don't you? And get out from your father's house. It means make it small. Less, less, less persons. But you have sheep, you have goats, so when robbers are around and they see your herd of sheep and goats, <laughs> they will come and get them, take them. Because they see there are not many, many people who protect this herd of sheep and goats. But God tells him, when you are going to do this, I will make of you a great nation. So you have to become small in the beginning that you can become great in the end. That is a, an interesting parable, isn't it? You have to become little in the beginning that you can become great. As long as you think, I am the greatest on earth, and you're proud of your talents and your energy and whatever, because you are so beautiful or whatever, you will lack greatness. But when you become little, in your eyes, then he will lift you up. We need his guidance. We need his experience. We need his covenant with us. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name 
great. Uh, who wouldn't like this? <laughs> Everybody likes it. A name that is great. That people, when they see you, say, Oh, have you seen? Look, boy. Look, daughter. You, you, wow. This, this is the person. Oh. When you are honored, people bow down in front of you and say, well, good morning, hello. May I introduce and so on. To have a great name. It's something we like, don't we? We are honored when we are honored by God. And if we love him and obey him, we will follow his precepts and then we will be honored by him. The covenant with Moses. We read in Exodus chapter 6, that God spoke to Moses what he should do. And he tells him in verse 2 at the end we read, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. God Almighty, that's a name. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established, we read in verse 4, my covenant with them. I have also established my covenant with them. To give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, when they were strangers. So it's always sacred history, we find. Because I've made a covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and I promised them to give this land to them, to present it to them. Now it is the time to take it into possession. Although it is more than 400 years later on. But God does never forget a promise. If he promises you something, he guarantees that it will be fulfilled. If you do your part. In a covenant we always need two. And here... We have a parallel to the story to Noah and his ark. I will save you. But start building the ark. So there's something you have to act for. It's your part. And God says, and I will do this part. And you this. And together it will be this covenant and you will be better off, you will be blessed. And here Moses, if he works in harmony with God, according to his command, a whole people, 
all people of Israel, they will be brought out of bondage from Egypt. Although it is, it is not really possible. Or how, how will Pharaoh react? He will say, no, I won't allow them to go. They are my slaves. They have to build all the buildings I want to have built. Oh no, never, never ever I will let them go. They are my slaves. And Moses knows about this. But nevertheless, in the end, he acts according to God's will. It's in a way not reasonable, isn't it? It's it's something, will it really happen? Will it really take place? How can that be? You, you, you can't believe it. But God says, I've made a covenant, and therefore, I'm the one who guarantees for it. And he had already told in the past, it will take more than 400 years for fulfillment. So when we read here, we find that they can be a great nation in the end, but obedience was required. We read here, the Lord first saves Israel, then gives them his law that they keep it, and the same is then with Christ. First he saves us from sin. And then he lives out his law within us. What an interesting idea. And it works. Be sure about that. The New Covenant. In... Jeremiah 31, there are very interesting verses. I read in Jeremiah 31 from verse 31 onwards. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. A new one. Ah, uh -huh, interesting. And with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, says the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. So what is it like, this new covenant? After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Oh, so not written on stone tablets, but written on the tablets of our heart. And write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they will write my law into their hearts, 
So God's law is an expression of God's character. That's him. That's how he is. That's his law, full of love. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Will not happen. Why not? For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Ah, that's it. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Have you ever experienced this? You are loaded with your sin and happiness is gone. As David experienced it after he had taken him Bathsheba and had made arrangements that her husband had been killed in war. And then he was like a bird that has no more wings to fly anymore. And the joy, the peace, gone. Gone. And his sin was around him all the time. And then he confessed it to his master in heaven. And he was forgiven, as if he had never done it. Do you want to experience something like that? That your, your sin is forgiven? And God says, and if it is red, red as blood, it shall be white as snow. How can that happen? Jesus has paid for your sins on the cross. And this, this price has been paid for your sins. If you take Jesus' hands, if you come to him, if you repent and ask for forgiveness, he will give it to you. He will hand it out freely to you. He will read, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Not even remembering the sin. Now imagine. And then you will experience peace and harmony with God. Summary. In the book from Ellen G. White, The Desire of Ages, we read on page 329, The yoke that binds to service is the law of God. God's law is the expression of his character. The great law of love was revealed in Eden in the paradise. 
it was proclaimed upon Sinai to his servant Moses and written on tablets of stone. And in the new covenant, it was written, this law of God, it was written in the heart in this new covenant. And the great law of love is that which binds the human worker to the will of God. That's the point. What will happen what would happen if we were left to follow our own inclinations? To go just where our will would lead us. What would happen? What would be the outcome? Oh no. Oh no. We would fall into Satan's ranks and become possessors of his attributes. Either God's attributes or Satan's attributes. Either or. So, in which direction would you like to go? Being arranged with the attitudes of God or those of Satan? Therefore, God confines us to his will, which is high and noble and elevating. Do you want to be a person about whom others say, oh, such a noble person. Oh, look at him, look at her. Noble. High. Elevating. This, this dignity which we would like to get, you will only get when you honor God. Then you will be honored by Him. And He will produce this dignity in you if you love God and you follow Him and follow His commandments. And the farther you go away from God, the less dignity you will have. And people will despise you. Despise you. But if you are honored by God, this will give you dignity. Dignity you would like to have. God desires that we shall patiently and wisely Take up the duties of service. That's his desire. Because then we are blessed. The yoke of service Christ himself has borne in humanity, he said. I delight to do your will, my God. I delight to do your will. But when you can say this like Jesus, then you're on the right path. That's... That's the secret point. Oh my God, yes, your law is within my heart. Psalm 40, verse 8. I came down from heaven, 
Apostle John tells us about Jesus in chapter 6, verse 38. I came down from heaven, this is, these are Jesus' words, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. That's it. What do we need? Love for God, zeal for his glory, and love for fallen humanity. These were the points that brought Jesus down to earth to suffer and to die. This was the controlling power of his life. This principle he bids us adopt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Did you want to put your Holy Spirit in our hearts that we delight in doing your will and it will happen if we are willing if we are willing to follow you out of love Amen